Welcome to Episode 4 of the Zillica Observer. I'm Chase Raz. Time flies when you're having fun, and I cannot believe we're already four episodes in, in under a month. The original idea was to do 12 episodes a year, but apparently, when we get going, we get going. I'll be speaking with Colin Miles today, the Chief Commercial Officer and Co-CEO of Zillica. Talk about getting going, am I right? I don't want to keep you waiting anymore, so here we go. Joining me today is Colin Miles. Colin, you are a, well, first of all, let me say you're the Chief Commercial Officer and Co-CEO of Zillica, right? Is, is that, did I get the title right? Yeah, that's the full thing. Wonderful. Well, hi, Colin. How are you today? Great. It's another exciting day in our world. It's uh, changing so rapidly and there's so many things coming in on our emails and on our messages and on our telegrams and on our Twitter it's just the most exciting buzz you can possibly have. I want to talk about all of that buzz, but first I want to let people know that you are a marketing professional with a history in mobile advertising, audience interaction, professional certifications, that's near and dear to my heart, something I do outside of here, digital media, community building, and a lot of this goes all the way back to the first dot-com boom. What about that intro is correct and what's incorrect? Oh, it's pretty good. You've covered almost everything apart from the tougher entrepreneurial moments, which uh, you go through when you set up probably uh, five different businesses and had two exits. <laughs> <laughs> if you set up five businesses and had two, you're doing well. So right? I look at your LinkedIn and I, 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 I love it how positive you are about some of those. I just don't list mine. You're positive about it. And I, I love the, the depth of background that you offer because I, I found myself more than most people I've ever interviewed having to click show more, show more. And the, the compliment to that is I've never wanted to click show more so much in my life before. So I, I maybe it's because, you know, as I talk, my day job as a, a professor of digital marketing, but really fascinating stuff. Thank you again for coming. I'm, I'm so interested to pick your brain and see what's going on with Zillica. Let's put all of that aside. Who are you, Colin, as a human being, if we met on the street and we wanted nothing to do with work right now, what would we talk about? What would we hang out and do? Who, who are you? Yeah, I'm uh, pretty sports driven. I would say I've spent most of my life playing sports of uh, one type or another. I'm a white collar boxing champion. So boxing mm -hmm. is something I love and has kept me very fit previously. And uh, I, I think that in terms of my competitive spirit, that comes out in all the sports that I've participated in. And uh, I've always wanted to be team captain. So that's uh, probably a good <laughs> metaphor for where we are. That's that's great. You do bring that into business, don't you? Yeah, it's uh, competitive, but we're in a different kind of culture. The millennial culture is a very different one. So you have yeah. to be understanding and listening a lot more than shouting. Yeah, much more cooperative rather than than combative, I would say. And so sport and business, they, they seem to be two central themes. It almost seems like if we were hanging out personally, getting to know you a little bit and knowing myself, you and I probably would devolve to talk about talking about business, wouldn't we? Yeah, we, we I mean, we get the beers out. We talk sports, we talk business, we talk about uh, some of the great wins we've seen in the, in the different eras, whether it's dot com or mobile or now blockchain. We'd really get into it. 
Good. I'm, I'm glad to have somebody to talk to while we're doing that, because a lot of people keep telling me, quit talking about business. Quit talking. It's like, it's who I am. Like, it's, it's, it's not just the day job. It's who I am. So thank you for sharing that with me. You know, I've, I found something interesting that you said before, and you mentioned that your first introduction to blockchain was, I believe, at a conference, you said, walking past an ATM, a Bitcoin ATM, and you decided, why not? Let me just put, yeah. I think you said 50 bucks in or something like That's that. Right. How how has that experience evolved over time? Did you keep that Bitcoin? Should I be asking you for a loan right now? Right, like it's fifty something thousand right now. Did you keep that Bitcoin? What did you do? What were the steps after that that led you, if you will, not away from marketing but towards marketing in a particular niche? Whereas before, it looks like you were very heavy into mobile advertising. Mm. Yeah, so the Bitcoin moment was interesting because I got a piece of paper which spat out the machine and I was like, what do you do with that? And he said, oh, you have to set up a wallet online, go to this .com and so on. You were thinking confetti fun paper. (laughs) Yeah, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, I understood QR codes at the time because I was in mobile, but uh, that uh, went into the wallet on blockchain.com and then I I thought, well, this is interesting, but I can't seem to spend it anywhere. I was supposed to get it so I could buy coffee. That was the whole point to have this digital money, new digital money, very exciting, yes, thanks. So it kind of went away and then I looked again a couple of years later and my $50 was 480 something. And I was like, what happens? Don't really get that. I'm not (laughs) sure what that means. And managed to reach out to a couple of people in the community who you know, really, crypto anarchists, which uh, they're the most entertaining people to talk to, period. And they really shocked me with the ideas of disruption for economy, for uh, business, for entrepreneurism. All these things were just, you know, really out there. And I was trying to countenance it and still think about how to use this Bitcoin effectively. And a friend of mine had created a point of sale platform. So it was called Coin of Sale. So the local coffee shop could accept Bitcoin. And uh, he would show me how it worked. And then you know, you'd wait 20 minutes until the, the payment cleared. And I was thinking, well, it's it's got some way to go, but at least you paid for the coffee. So fantastic. And then, of course, some of the hype gathered speed. I did more research and started to buy more Bitcoin and started to preach to my colleagues in the, in the mobile business that this is a really great thing to get involved with. I think all the way up until around about 6,000 US was pretty much where I was buying up until telling my my colleagues to buy. So I felt uh, you know, vindicated that certainly I'd, I'd made the right choice and I'd given them good advice. Well, it sounds like you made the right choice and, and blockchain in general seems to have been knocking at your door multiple times and um, trying to trying to get you to come over. I, I think a lot of us share that story from the business side. And I see not only because you're the chief commercial officer and co-CEO, but you're wearing your Zillica shirt. It's making me very happy. I was thinking about wearing that exact shirt. Milan sent one to me and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wear it. And I thought, no, no, I'm not. So not today. And I'm very glad I'm not today because it, frankly, it looks better on you than it looks on me. But what brought you to Zillica? What, what was the, what was that transition? I had a short stint in London. I spent a year there trying to uh, build the mobile business at a time when Brexit became a major issue. So it was an interesting year, but it wasn't uh, very productive, apart from the fact that I did those two online courses, one Oxford University and and one with uh, University uh, Berkeley. So that really gave me the academic surety that I knew I was in the right 
business, the right uh, industry, but more than that, that this could change everything for humanity, full stop. And that was something I got very excited about. And I knew a friend in Singapore who was starting his own business in um, basically DID, uh, self-sovereign identity and uh, certification. And he said, hey, you're coming back to Singapore. Why not invest in my business and let's see where we can take it. And so I did that and I joined him for a year as a director and, and put in some sweat equity as well. And it, uh, it's, he's built a great product. Uh, and I think it's useful because of the COVID situation. He's delivering those health certs, which are now a government standard in Singapore. Good. So everyone can hopefully travel when they have the vaccination and, and the test. And at that moment, someone from the headhunting company that Zilliqa had employed said, would, would you be interested in a position as head of marketing for a blockchain? And I was thinking, okay, that is something that may enable me to get on the global stage. So it was great to work in you know, the confines of RCN, but it was more exciting for me to think about the potential for blockchain, how huge the impact is on business and obviously the way humans interact with one another. And here was actually just an amazing platform to do that. And I think, as I said in my blog, uh, right, right place, right time and uh, right blockchain. You know, I absolutely love that you're bringing in the concept of it can change the world. And we see that in a lot of startups, not just blockchain. And so, you know, from a business point of view, I, I actually had a dream about one of my former companies, not my company, but a company I worked for. And I can imagine us sitting at the table today doing this exploratory conversation and everyone around me rolling their eyes and going, oh, God, Chase is going to, you know, he's going to hang out with this guy while he's in town and they're going to go grab beers and talk about changing the world. But I want you to keep that in the back of your mind with the context of everything we're talking about, because I'm going to transition now to some of those business oriented questions to try to dig into the concept of how do we use this? How do we deploy everything you just said? One, the place I'll start is recently, I, I try not to you know date the show too much and talk about too many current events, but it's topical right now. Recently, uh, Colin, you and a, a few others from Zillica have been, uh, a few other folks have been touting this idea that I believe there are two American partners that are going to be announced pretty soon. Look, we're not actually at that private table behind the scenes with an NDA, so I'm not going to press you for details on that. But I am curious, what should we be expecting in terms of these future announcements, especially U.S., which so many people are looking at right now with Zillica not having too strong of a presence here, quite frankly, what should we be looking for? Because I think a lot of businesses right now, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to really just direct shoot it, I'm not sure a lot of businesses are buying it. I'm not sure a lot of businesses are buying into the concept that you and I share of this. And they might even be wondering, is this just more of the same? Are we talking about just a couple more independent artists coming and minting some NFTs? Or are we looking at, you know, something more in the business space? Yeah, we've had some flirtation with enterprise selling and, and trying to uh, promote the platform as a solution for business-to-business -business communication and so on. Certainly in the banking world, there's a lot of conversations about how to do that. It's a bit early still, I think, for us to be selling it as a packaged product, product so everything has to be custom-built. So we're going to explore the market still quite cautiously and, and slowly. The American thrust, as it were, still needs to be first on the exchanges. So we need to get you know much bigger impact with the exchanges there in the US. And then try and find a kind of signature partner who has 
uh, widespread adoption already and then provide them with uh, some kind of tokenization logic which helps drive their business further. So we have to look at how these use cases are timely and how they are easy to adopt rather than try and force our technology on institutions that might otherwise have different options or might not be that interested or just don't quite get it. So, Or the class that could just get by with a database and don't need you know, the immutability yeah. and the other factors. So we're more still focusing on the consumer adoption at this point. And then I think the bigger projects will come after that. Okay. So when, when we're you mentioned exchanges in there, and I, I think we're all expecting some more exchanges, right? That's just, again, I'm not really going to press you on any details there. I know that's in, an interest in the blockchain community, but from a business point of view, it's the idea of, we know more exchanges are coming, period, full stop, right? That's going to be the state of 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 what it is. If it happens to be my favorite exchange or somebody else's, flip a coin, right? Whichever announcement happens at what time. But are we talking about some announcements coming? Is there a possibility of some announcements coming where we're looking more at these business partners rather than exchanges? Some of those, like you mentioned, um, going after this, what's the B2B use case that we can partner with somebody who has existing business and help provide something for their operations? Is is there anything like that we can be expecting in in the near future? Yeah, so we've had some uh, interesting conversations, uh, again, around the securitization of services. So there are some very interesting projects in America that have a tokenization of uh, securities in play. And we would like to do a kind of uh, partnership with those those folks, uh, bring their securities to Asia, and then we can in turn provide our services to to them and with them to America. Anything for... The EU or North America in general of existing businesses that would stay on those continents, North America or Europe? Yeah, that's the next step. I mean, we, we need to recognize that we are positioning as the gateway to Asia for those blockchain-friendly companies that have already uh, launched services in the US and in Europe. So that's still our start point, but there's nothing stopping us taking unique services like social pay to the USA. And, and that's a good point of, of bringing different services to different markets because the, the gateway to Asia is a very important concept with Zillica. But also in the past, I know that you have mentioned, you've mentioned in the past that Zillica should be a top 10 network, right? It should be a top 10 blockchain. So I, just directly going to it, why do you believe at this time that Zillica isn't a top 10? We're you know, typically sitting somewhere just under 50 in the 50 to, to 55 range. What's the disconnect between potential and reality? Well, it's obviously from the inside, we have our own worldview and, and wondering about what are the buttons we need to press to, to get up there with other people who've made it so far. We have also external narratives from the community that are presenting about Zillica's marketing impact, for example, and also comparing the amount of transactions on the chain to some of those blockchains that have massive valuations and also blockchains which don't even have uh, smart contracts live and, and you know, <laughs> still have huge, huge valuations and uh, also those that are layer two and they're still kind of relying on Ethereum. It's, it's, it's hard to be saying it's one thing, that there is a silver bullet we can fire to get us up there. We are doing a combination of things. Obviously, we're improving our communications 
being out there as much as possible. We're open to any kind of YouTube appearance and really uh, trying to trying to get on uh, and explain what Zilliqa is about. We we have a, a mission to enable anyone with a phone to use blockchain services, hopefully for uh, fintech, open open finance, as we call it, because that will drive a lot of uh, engagement and a lot of revenue through the system. We've got multiple projects in that direction. I think that uh, we also have some fairly uh, high-profile launches. Today, we announced the X Academy partnership, which is going to bring a lot of YouTube influencers. A lot of YouTube uh, influencers. Driving, driving uh, token transactions, incentivizing people to watch and share and learn about how to be a communicator on YouTube. We have, uh, obviously, UFFS, which is a fantasy sports play, which is going to be really interesting for North America. They have a focus on NHL, and I think that's going to increase dramatically as they go live in the next uh, month or so. So we're, we're trying to add all of these elements simultaneously. We have you know, a hardcore open finance platform, which does great things. We have, obviously, our DeFi, our Zillswap platform, which has grown re- relatively quickly in, in uh, recent weeks with the Swap token. I saw, I saw your how-to video, which was great. We appreciate Thank you for that. watching. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, this obviously is something we think can grow really big. Obviously, the leaders are multi-billion dollars total value locked at the moment, and we're just sure. you know a, a pinprick in that number. But we can absolutely build it up to uh, maybe, let's say, $1 billion by the end of the year. So it's going to take, again, a few months, and people do need to be patient. But I think we have all of the right ammunition to fire to get us there. You know, it, I've I've not been shy about the prediction, not from a holder perspective, not from a trader perspective, but from my perspective, that in cryptocurrencies, blockchains, I'm really focusing on the blockchain side, that within a couple of years, by 2024, 2025 timeframe, there will be multiple $100 billion plus uh, layer ones. Of course, Bitcoin and um, Ethereum are there now, but I really think that most of the top 10, not all, but most of the top 10 will be filled because when you compare to company valuations to what these blockchains, including Zilliqa are doing, you're somewhere between a company and an economy. Right. So yeah. when I heard Bitcoin, I, don't, I haven't fact checked this, but I heard the other day that Bitcoin finally surpassed, I think it was like the, the sixth or seventh largest economy globally. And so when you hear those things, I do have a question about how Zillica can compete. There's this focus on being a gateway to Asia. There's a focus on open finance or as the Ethereum world has kind of popularized DeFi, decentralized finance. Same thing. How can Zillica compete against some of these higher value, even if they're not necessarily doing anything? The Cardano, the Polkadot, Binance Smart Chain is one that's, you've, it's got to be a love-hate behind the scenes B2B of you're working with Binance, but then they're doing the same things you're doing. And is it, this is a two-parter, because is it a, a position of how do we compete? How do we position ourselves? Or Something else I floated out there that I'd love your input on. Is it time? Is it possible? Is it realistic that the crypto space goes into consolidation and we look at mergers, acquisitions, or partnerships? Yeah, from a macro perspective, it's interesting to see how the word interoperability has come into play uh, quite often. We ourselves are working on several multi-chain integrations, several multi-chain projects. 
And I had this discussion uh, yesterday with a very senior blockchain leader in, in Singapore and trying to work out. That tells whether, me I'm asking the right question. <laughs> yeah, one, one chain to rule them all, or can everyone build a much bigger market collectively? That is a very important question, one you would have in any uh, venture capital discussion, what's going to make you the number one destination for your service, right? So you have to balance that with the changing culture of decentralization. It's, it's something where you can't say, I believe in decentralization, and then you want to close everyone in a walled garden. That doesn't really work for me. So my belief is, for example, let's take the Human Token Project, which is quite interesting out of California there, the H-Capture guys who've just grown so dramatically against the, the Google uh, service in, in the recent months. They're processing hundreds of millions of transactions. They are working with three blockchains at the moment, Polkadot, Solana, and obviously Zilliqa. And what happens is all of those transactions get uh, handled. They get spread. They get shared across networks which can compute the fastest or process the fastest. So it's not about blocking or controlling access. It's actually about proving that your technology is stronger, faster, better. And the AI behind the logic pushes the transactions into the blockchain, which is the most efficient. So it's kind of a different way of doing business. But if you really believe in your tech and believe in your product, then you absolutely back it to take the transactions from that sort of service. That makes me think of of something I've I've wanted to ask you about why public blockchains. Microsoft, IBM, others have large private blockchains that can be supported. What is it for business? Because in business, third party tends to be enough. It's enough for my accounting. It's enough for my financial regulation. It's enough for verifying who wins the sweepstakes. It's, a, it's enough for right all of these things. What about public blockchains? And and you and I are both in, right? We we there's no secret there. But what is it about public as opposed to private? Why would I, as a business, which my inclination as a business would be, I already have a silver, gold, whatever level partnership with Microsoft. I already have a partnership with IBM. Why would I not just take my business there? We can still hit consensus. We can still hit immutability. We're just not decentralized. What is the real advantage of a business going decentralized? Yeah, I think a lot of studies have asked us to contribute on the single biggest sales point. What is the single most important thing about a public blockchain? And I believe that the verifiability and the understanding that it is open for all to check and cross-check is a fundamental trust layer that you absolutely have to have. If there's anything behind the scenes, if there's anything privately controlled, is if there's anything that individuals could actually manipulate in some way, then you're always potentially at risk. But in a public blockchain where everything is open, the basic facts of the transaction are clear, confirmed, and immutable. And certainly on Zilliqa, which has a tremendous security level, we can't be hard forked. You know, we, we can't be broken as such. And I think that uh, that gives a certain level of confidence beyond any other public blockchain. So we would provide that you know, sales pitch to anyone and say that it's as good as a private blockchain, but better because the public actually believes what you're, what you're posting. 
no one can see it. I mean, it's encrypted, right? No one's looking into the transaction itself. They're just logging certain amounts of data about what's going where. There's no information that's being released or is hackable in any way, shape, or form. So it's it's a little bit of an education. You have to kind of explain it. But you know, if you're if you're an evangelist for the public blockchain, you have to really back it. That, that I know that has to be a hard sell because look, <clears throat> sitting in in meetings where I'm explaining multiple linear regression and and linear programming to folks in logistics or explaining some other thing. It's a hard sell in business because we're all focused on the job we're doing. And so when we cross disciplines and we get into something, something heavily technical or heavily analytical, if that's not what you already do, the sell is tough. So I can imagine you have a tough time with that particular question, not because it's hard to answer, but because I, <laughs> not to turn this and, and focus on me, but I want to have perspective I'm so into this that I'm doing a podcast on it. <laughs> and when you give me that answer, the the reptilian, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be mean to business people here, the reptilian business part of my brain in the back is going, I don't like, I don't care if it's public. I don't care if right. I just want to process somebody's account. I just want to process somebody's whatever. And it is a hard sell, but in fairness, Obviously, I believe in the statement you're making. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have asked you to be here. But I just want to acknowledge for a moment how hard of a sell that is. Do you ever find yourself wanting to, you know, after a meeting, do you go decompress and want to just bang your head against the wall and go, why why don't people get this? Yeah, I think you get used to it after a while. You have to have incredibly thick skin to be in this uh, game at the moment because there's a lot of uh, stuff lying around, which is... uh, kind of creating confusion and, and chaos and uh, one-upmanship and all that kind of stuff. If you're a true believer in uh, blockchain and, and public blockchain and you've bought into Bitcoin, you understand the rationale behind that. And if you if you take that to a business context, then you have to understand that the network effect of a public blockchain can give you lots of additional benefits, which are beyond your uh, closeted uh, walled garden. So it's, yes, it's an education, yes, it's a sales pitch, but you shouldn't try and sell to people who don't quite get it. We're very lucky that people are coming to us and asking, how can you apply this blockchain to our business, our service, our solution? And those are the guys that we spend a lot of time with. And we don't really try and knock on the doors of people who aren't listening. I like that approach. I've noticed Zilliqa over the years, before I was ever paying attention, maybe even before you got there, always had this philosophy of we're not going to try to convince a lot of people that blockchain, forget Zilliqa for a moment, that blockchain is the right answer because, and, and you know, you can hear interviews from years ago where folks are talking about because it may not be the right solution, right? We don't just want to put everything on the blockchain and put everything on the blockchain. Do you meet the requirements of a blockchain benefiting you? And if so, then come along for the ride. Is that still the pervasive culture at Zilliqa where, look, a blockchain is a blockchain, a spreadsheet is a spreadsheet, and a database is a database. <laughs> Pick which one. Well, let's figure out which one you need. Is that still the overarching idea? Yeah, we're blessed that we can actually build services which we think people will like and use and, and adopt, like Social Pay, which you know, had dramatic impact on Twitter and, and on the community and has been repurposed now for you know enterprise level marketing we're quite excited about that obviously social pay 2 has been talked about for a while but it's it's in in there ready to roll and when the businesses can use it for their day-to-day digital marketing then you know that becomes 
It's less of a barrier, less of a thought process. They don't even need to know that it's on the blockchain. Right. You know, they're just using an interface, they're marketing, and they're suddenly getting huge volumes because people are being rewarded or incentivized in the way we truly believe that uh, humanity should go forward. That's for good behavior, you get a reward, period. <laughs> I wonder if that's one of the disconnects between enterprise adoption and token holders or traders is the idea that in business, we, we, we you don't particularly care if anybody knows what you're using behind the scenes. I don't care if somebody knows whether I'm using a DB2 or or you know Microsoft SQL Server. And in in blockchain, to some degree, it's the same way. I don't care if somebody knows if I'm on Ethereum or on Zilliqa or on both. Have we hit a point to where there's a disconnect or conflicting pressures? Because I know I'm feeling it, but I think I'm probably early on this that. As somebody who has crypto holdings, I would love to see the market caps rise, which rises the token price. At the same time, as somebody who wants to transact business, I do not want that token price to rise. I want the, especially for a network, I know this was by design. I know everything's open in the future, but especially for a network like Zilliqa, where the gas quote unquote, is paid for with the utility token, right? There's no separation. So in a network like that, if we start talking, you know, we, we, you go online and I'm in these conversations too, but when you start talking 25 cent relative to where we are in about 13, 50 cent, $1, $2 plus Zillica, all of a sudden the transaction cost goes up and we end up in a, in a smaller version of what Ethereum is doing. They're blaming the miners right now. Well, I'm an Ethereum miner, and I can tell you, I don't make any more than I did before in Ether. I make the same amount of Ether. They've just pamped the price so high that now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the enemy for selling GPU time. What can you speak to that particular concern? And I know I'm going to lose a lot of people here because not many people care. You're on one side or the other. But for those who are floating market dynamics between the two, this tokenization idea and tokenomics, help me here. And I, and I really mean that. Help me here because I'm lost in a giant sea of I don't know how to make sense of, of what I just said. Yeah, we have uh, quite an in-depth discussion on this. It's in play on Telegram for those people who want to join the group and, and see where, where the logic is going. This is genuinely an important topic and one which actually the community themselves, we think should be able to vote on as to whether to set a limit on certain transactions. And this is where we have our GZIL and our governance portal, and, and we can put together a proposal to help manage that potential challenging cost uh, increase in the overall token price affecting the utility and the gas payments that need to be made for smart contracts and uh, straight transactions. So. That is definitely in play. It's something which is being talked through. We are trying very hard to open it up to the community so the community gets to, to vote on it. So that's something which I think will come up in the next uh, few weeks or so. Thanks for sharing that because I, I don't know if a lot of crypto holders, because when, when we look at crypto investments, at least the data I see, we tend to have a lot of younger crypto only investors. They may not even be in stocks. They may not be anywhere, you know, in bonds. They may not have a traditional 401k even. And that's fine, but we have to look at 
you know, this idea of we want corporate adoption, we want enterprise adoption, we want it because it's going to drive the price up. But we also have to face that other side that if you get what you want, those businesses coming in do not want <laughs> the price to go up. And they have significantly more capital to, I won't say, right, I don't mean manipulate in the that it would to adjust to, to position the pricing where it's more advantageous to them. Is there any protection in place for GZIL in particular? We saw a couple of the I, I, I don't quite understand the the voting process to be blunt. So we what people were calling fake votes, they weren't really doing anything. They weren't compliant with with the voting standard. But we saw what happened in a couple of recent votes where Wales came in and went against what the mostly the community was wanting. And just all of a sudden you went from a no vote to a yes vote like that by a major margin, by something like 70 to 30. Are there protections in place? Are we you know, running any type of scenarios that protect individual token holders as opposed to those who can, quite frankly, pull a Tesla and go in and buy a billion and a half dollars worth of Bitcoin? Yeah, it's another one that's in discussion, how to manage whale voting, building in logic, which can help. It's not proportionate as such, but trying to put together something or a strategy to avoid that kind of uh, situation in future. So definitely under discussion back at HQ. Is there anywhere we're leaning? Because my uh, mind starts uh, going to SEC problems here in the US, other regulatory problems in the EU and Singapore. Yeah, I mean, the specific proposals that are put forward at the moment are not, they're kind of early days test proposals, just trying to feel out the system and get governance working. So it's okay for now, but I think we've realized that it does need to be looked at. And so Han Wen and the team there are working through the, the logic, how to help manage the voting. So he's a good guy to get on the show, of course, to, to discuss that in detail, but definitely it's a, it's a key part of how we manage governance. Excellent. Well, thank you. So as we start working towards the conclusion here, I like to do a couple of things fairly routinely. And one, I like to ask, what did I forget? Well, I appreciate that. I mean, obviously, there is a lot of feedback from the community about comparing us with uh, other projects. And that, of course, is something we do. We can do that on the gas cost level and the smart contract pricing level and so on and so forth. Uh, the rudimentary logistics, but we also are compared with, for example, a company that raised more than a billion dollars from their original uh, token ICO, and they have uh, something like 250 staff. So you would imagine that they should be able to deliver a lot more action activity output than Zillica, which has 30 staff and raised $20 million three years ago. So mm. it's quite difficult. People say, well, just hire more, more people, more staff. But we actually are running a business, and we're trying to be relatively conservative and have, have a, a runway which is sensible. We're now in a much better position because of the token price. So of course we can invest more heavily in 2021. So I'm really bullish about what we're going to do this year, but the straight up comparisons really drive me nuts. Well, investors, thank you for that because the, the runway is important. When I mentioned before, some of the votes that came through was one of them was about the community hiring developers and injecting them into the Zillica team. And it, I, I mean, like when that vote switched to yes, I think anyone who follows me on Twitter didn't need me to tweet. They could feel my head rupturing from right here in Central Florida. Has there been a discussion 
on how to adopt governance, adopt decentralization, but still retain protections while, quite frankly, the legal entity, the company, Zillica Research, still needs protections, cannot flip over overnight to be a DAO. What's the conversation like for handling that business to business? We have multiple layers, I suppose, of of interaction and and self-defense. In terms of (laughs) what we are doing, we have to be selective with the resources that we currently support. We also have Zillacracy, which is its own community, which can help also develop developers and and projects and and put hands to work on other things. So we have ways of trying to adapt to the the workload and, and try and develop into areas which people think are a priority. So we're not too disconnected from from the feedback and we are trying to put the resources in now we have quite an aggressive campaign to developers into zillswap and really build out that platform dramatically uh, this year we're quite excited about where that's going to go so we may be a little bit slower to respond but we absolutely are picking the priorities and backing them with with staff when we can and now we have a bit more leeway to bring the staff in do I take any, any of it uh, personally? Do I think we, we have a vote of no confidence in the business? I'm not sure I would kind of characterize it like that. I'm open to all feedback, constructive criticism also. I just feel that we do have our own mandate. We do our, have our own plans. We do have our own roadmap. And we will try and you know absorb what the community thinks as often as possible. But sometimes we just can't really change what we've already committed to. Yeah, and to clarify, just for for my own record, I don't think that anybody ever intended it as a vote of no confidence. What I mean to say is that the community, uh, some members of the community attempted to help and problem solve in a way, and I love that. But the the way that was chosen in one particular in one very hopefully isolated incident was what other businesses use as a vote of no confidence, right? If we were shareholders instead of utility token holders, and there was a vote at the annual meeting to do that, that's that's what I mean. So I'm using language from a different asset class, bringing it in. Colin, I know you're right there with me, but I did want to point it out as clarity that you know if somebody is a utility token holder and thinking, well, let me be helpful, let's 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 be helpful right let's let's be helpful let's not turn it into a shareholder meeting where we say let's let's go ahead and um that would in the in the stock world would be in a shareholder vote of no confidence yeah i mean it's not something we can really alter if someone wishes to put forward their own proposal that's kind of democratic capitalism as we as we like to call it and that's fair enough. You know, you can put forward a proposal and if everyone backs you, then we have to listen. But is it going to fundamentally change what the Silica Research company does? At this point, it's not linked categorically. So, you know, we, we have to say this is a proving process, trying to understand how we might move to that DAO structure, which is highly desirable in many, many ways. Do we create a foundation to accommodate these kind of inputs? also possible. There, there are many different angles to push forward, but uh, Zilliqa Research is actually quite commercial and focused on uh, driving a lot of uh, interactions with businesses. And, and yes, if someone voted for us to suddenly change our, our business plan, then that would be a little bit difficult. Right, right. Well, Colin, again, let me, let me put the question out there once again of what we should be ending with just to 
transition back to it since I went on <laughs> I went on a tangent there with with my own thoughts. But any other closing thoughts that we should be looking at or thinking about as we look at Zillica's progress deeper into 2021? Yeah, it's hard not to uh, focus on the token price. Um, people have obviously noted uh, in the last year, it's it's risen quite dramatically. That's taken as a proof point of success and growth and adoption. And uh, we appreciate that, of course. But there's so much more to do. We're in so many different areas of activity. I've never been more excited in any kind of business situation than I am each day that I'm working at Silica because the nature of the projects are so phenomenally groundbreaking that you can literally barely contain your excitement when you when you think how they will land and it's painful not to be able to tell you every single thing that I'm working on with every single company that we're working with but I can safely say that I'm working on some of the biggest deals I've ever done in my entire career as an entrepreneur and it's only going to get better and bigger the momentum is incredible we're getting calls from obviously celebrities, music stars, sports teams, every, everything is just uh, on the table. And uh, whilst we think about the ways to apply tokenization to everything, we also get brought into even, uh, we've got three different gold projects on at the moment simultaneously. So I, I can't sort of uh, talk about every single thing we're doing, but there are tons of things that we're working on, which will absolutely take us to another level in the next couple of months. So. Yeah. Thank you. And you deserve congratulations because when somebody says you're working on the biggest deals you've worked on, when they have a resume, a LinkedIn profile, a background such as yours reads, internet marketing, mobile marketing, digital marketing, community building, community advising, that's a big deal. And I think people should pay attention to it. So if a business is, is interested and their, their idea is, is formulating in their mind, their curiosity is peaked, they want to send out that, that RFI to you, what course of action should they take? Well, you know, in previous episodes, we've talked about there's Zillocracy and Zillhive. What's the type of business that should be saying, that's nice. I need to reach directly out to Colin right now. Yeah, it's my email. Colin at Zillica.com. Excellent. Thank you, Colin, so much for being here today. We'll go ahead and sign off. And again, just thank you so much. There's just so much interest in the Zillica community. Sometimes it feels like we're this tiny little community, but think about this. Our YouTube channel has been out for just about a week at this point, and we're now a channel of over 300 people strong. The optics surrounding Zillica size may be a bit deceiving, as if even some who don't have a Zillica wallet address may have their eyes on this space. My guess is that Zillica will probably be ramping up the announcement soon. Between the social media hints and the feeling I get when I speak directly to members of the Zillica team, there is a lot going on behind the scenes, and I mean a lot. I don't know specifics, I don't have inside information, but what I do know specifics about is that there's a lot going on here with the Zillica Observer. We have more podcast episodes and YouTube videos coming, especially on liquidity mining and yield farming as the information available out there is, well, it's non-existent right now. Despite some great YouTube videos and some other content out there, there's not really a lot about the dynamics of how it works. And um, even reverse engineering it, I'm having some trouble figuring things out. But starting with our next podcast episode, I want to let you know this. We'll be running a merchandise giveaway sponsored by Zillica itself. 
So stay tuned for your chance to win some awesome Zillica swag. Until next time, I'm Chase Raz. Take care.